What's up guys, my name is Zach and this is Deep Thoughts. This week I'm talking about Anne Frank, a few different theories and hypotheses about aliens. And then I'm going to finish the show off talking about sex robots and the legislation that could lead to the end of our civilization. Now roll that intro. Welcome to episode 10. I haven't figured out what the name of this episode's going to be, but you all know when you're listening to it. So this week, guys, I didn't post an episode um, because, one, I busted up my elbow. It's not fractured, but I've been in a sling for the last couple days. Uh, also, I recorded an episode last week, but I hated it so much that I just deleted it out of anger, and here we are. So, like I said, Anne Frank. Now, most of you know Anne Frank. She's famous for um, her writings during World War II. She was a, a Jewish girl that secretly had this journal and documented the events that are happening at the time. And, and her writing is very famous, at least in the eyes of elementary school students, because that is the time where you typically learn about Anne Frank and you read her writing. Now, one interesting thing I found out about uh, Anne Frank, and I initially saw it on Reddit this week, is that Anne Frank was bisexual. And it being Pride Month, I wanted to start off the show talking about this because I thought it was really important. Because we've known that Anne Frank has been bisexual since her writing was released. Uh, in there, she was obviously attracted to men and to women, and she hinted at it in her writing but that was never taught in school. That was never acknowledged by public media. And for some reason, it took all the way until 2019 for me to learn this about Anne Frank. And the, eventually, that little Reddit clip led me to another article online where a, a Jewish bisexual woman wrote an article about how this new information about Anne Frank impacted her life, how representation matters, especially in the LGBTQIA plus community. It's important for young kids, for teenagers, for really anyone that is struggling with their identity. Where especially in America, we don't have anti-discrimination laws against LGBTQIA people um, in our country. And most of you people believe that we do or just assume that we protect uh, our brothers and sisters and, and friends that are, are part of this community, but we don't. And a lot of the times we have religious laws instead that protect the people um, when they discriminate against LGBTQIA people. And I just wanted to acknowledge Anne Frank and acknowledge the people that have brought this information to light because it is important. It is important for young women out there that are struggling, struggling with their bisexual identity. It is important for young Jewish women that maybe don't feel like they belong or don't have a role model to look up to or whatever it may be. Representation matters. And especially when it comes to historical figures, people that we have looked up to since we were young, to know them for who they are. And yeah, that was just information I appreciated. It's Pride Month. I thought I'd start off the show talking about bisexual uh, and Frank because it's really cool. 
and I appreciate her for her, and I appreciate everyone out there that is living their best lives as themselves. So moving on, the from now on the podcasts are going to be a little bit shorter. I'm going to try to be more to the point, less rambling, more energetic, and more excited about the topics I'm talking about. So the main meaty part of the podcast this week is going to be about aliens. It's going to be about three different hypotheses or theories that I found online through Reddit and Quora. So the first one's the dark forest theory. The second one is the zoo hypothesis. And the last one is the alien ant theory. I'm going to go through them each quickly. Uh, just a short, brief description. I would love for you guys to comment, like, um, and let me know which theory you might agree with the most. Or if there's a theory that I missed that you want me to talk about moving forward. So... The first one, the dark forest theory, is based off this idea that all living species, all living beings in this galaxy, in this universe, want to live. So we as humans want to live, animals want to live, no one wants to die. So if an alien species were to invade our planet or to come visit us, no matter who was superior, the dark forest theory believes that there would be a war no matter what. Because, to some extent, we will not be able to coexist. We will be so different from one another that there will be conflict. And it, it doesn't necessarily say that we will be more superior or the aliens will be more superior. But if we ever do meet them, the Dark Forest Theory believes there is going to be conflict. There is going to be death. There is going to be a war. And I find that very fascinating. And the last thing I want to say about the dark forest theory is that this quote here, just to kind of briefly explain it. Uh, according to this author that I found on uh, thebigthink.com, his name is Scotty Hendricks, and he says this. The universe, the universe, and he says this. The universe is a dark forest. Every civilization is an armed hunter stalking through the trees like a ghost, gently pushing aside branches that block the path and trying to tread without a sound. Even breathing is done with care. The hunter has to be careful because everywhere in the forest are stealthy hunters like him. If he finds another life, another hunter, an angel, or a demon, a delicate infant to tottering old man, a fairy or demigod, there's only one thing he can do. Open fire and eliminate them. And that is the dark forest theory. The second is the zoo hypothesis, and I found this one the most fascinating uh, because I think it's closer to what I believe. But I found an article here on NBCNews.com by Seth Shostak, and it, it explains the zoo hypothesis as such. That basically, the reason why we haven't made contact with extraterrestrials is because the extraterrestrials know we are here. They know we exist, and they're actually watching us. Kind of like how we watch animals in a zoo. We are in a cage, but this cage currently is a one-way window, like they have in police stations. So the aliens can see us, but we can't see them. And according to the zoo hypothesis, we are the animals, and it's to the point where we're, our society and we as human beings are just not a threat to aliens. So why would they bother us? What they're going to do is they're going to leave us in our little cage, our planet, our one-way glass window, and they're just going to watch. They're going to sit back and wait 
for our technology to advance so far that we become a threat or maybe to the point where we destroy our entire planet and they'll just move in and take it over. But the zoo hypothesis really gets down to the detail of why we haven't interacted or even seen a hint of alien life. And that's because they already are so aware of us. They just avoid every point of contact that we send out. So that's the zoo hypothesis. The third and final is the alien ant theory. And this is a newer theory by a physicist that I cannot remember his name. But the ant theory says this, that whether it is the, whether we are the ants or the aliens are the ants, one of us is so insignificant to the other, we just aren't noticing each other. Whether we are going to the moon and looking for aliens, or aliens are coming to our planet and we don't even notice them, because, for instance, say we go to the moon, and this alien planet that they're living on is actually just the size of an anthill, but on the moon. Or, maybe in the aliens universe, our galaxy is so small, our planet is so small, it's just like an anthill to them. We're so insignificant to one, one another that we don't even notice that we're there. You walk outside, when you go to your car in the morning and you step on an anthill, you barely notice. You might look back and say, oh, look, look at that, oops. But it's not, you're not taking time out of your day to acknowledge them or even to consider them a threat. And that's where the ant theory kind of intersects with the zoo hypothesis. We just don't see each other as a threat or we're not relevant enough in, in each other's lives that any sort of contact or conflict will even occur. So the ant theory, either we're the ants or they're the ants, we don't know. But basically we're just so insignificant to one another that there won't be any conflict, and that's why we haven't seen aliens. I don't know what you guys think. I think closer to like a zoo hypothesis, because that relates more to Rick and Morty, and I love Rick and Morty so much I could talk about that all day. But there is just there is this massive universe out there that we have not explored. And in Rick and Morty, Rick has all the technology that he hasn't shared with the government, but he explores this universe and it's massive and there's so many creatures out there, but everyone on Earth is so ignorant. They don't understand and we can't even comprehend the world or the universe that is out there. And that's why I identify it with the zoo hypothesis because I don't think we can actually comprehend how large space is. I don't think we can comprehend how many different planets, how many different species are out there waiting for us or observing us. Maybe I'm wrong. I am probably wrong. But let me know what you guys think. I know to a lot of religious people, there may be some other views, maybe some views that aliens aren't even real. I do have to disagree with that. I do believe there's extraterrestrial life to some capacity, whether they're threatening or not. There's something else out there. I mean, think about it. Even octopi, like fucking octopus, octopuses are so damn intelligent and weird-ass creatures that live deep under the the water. We don't know anything about them, really. We just know they're fucking smart. Like, they could have easily come from another planet, just dropped right in our ocean, and yeah, like, who says they aren't aliens to some degree? We don't know. Now, the last topic of the day that I wanted to talk about was sex robots, and not about why sex robots are 
necessary or if they're necessary or how people use them or if I support the use of sex robots. But rather, I found an article that was linked on uh, Quora and it had to do with some recent legislation that was passed. Uh, the article came out on June 10th of 2019, so it's rather new. And it has to do with some recent legislation passed by the House and Senate. The article says the following. Imagine this, a totally realistic robot of your own design that is capable of fully carrying out any sex act that you can dream up. It looks, smells, and sounds incredibly realistic, and your state-sponsored insurance paid for her in full. In effect, she was free, prescribed by your physician to help with your status as sexually dysfunctional. Recent federal legislation supported overwhelmingly by a male majority in the House and Senate has made this kind of medical prescription perfectly legal. Now, if you don't understand that, someone that is considered sexually dysfunctional, I don't really know what that means, but if, you, if your doctor determines or your physician determines that you are sexually dysfunctional, then they can now prescribe you a sex robot. They sell it, the marketing gurus sell it by saying that Robin, maybe in the name of this robot, has never had a headache. It never gets a cold, it never rejects in advance, and surprisingly intelligent and witty. It is the future of AI. How do you guys feel about that? I was incredibly surprised to know that our legislation has now approved the fact that we can just prescribe sex robots to people that's amazing to me so by training i'm an anthropologist and anthropology is the study of people culture and how we relate to everything around us whether it's our environment our technology and each other and this concerns me because this this sex robot and then the civilization concerns me because if you take sex away from the human element, if you remove sex between one another, you could potentially lose the development of human beings moving forward, the reproduction of ourselves. Now, there's multiple problems that we can compare in relationship psychology one, for instance, are men who disproportionately represented as consumers of pornography will be overrepresented as consumers of sex robots. So men, first of all, this will be impacting their treatment of women because if you have a robot that will do anything you want, but then you choose maybe one day you want to actually date a real woman, you're going to treat that woman just like you treated the robot. So if you're disrespecting the robot, if you're taking advantage of its body, if you are, in some cases, abusing the robot, you're going to do the exact same thing to that woman, and that is not healthy. Intimacy in relationships, so it strongly maps onto both quantity and quality of sexual interactions within mateships, is likely to drop in quality as well. So when you're... <laughs> having sex with a robot you're not going to be focusing on what the robot wants you're just focusing on what you want so if you ever choose to leave that freaking robot again 
you're not going to be focused on your partner and therefore the quality of the sex is going to decrease. And as I mentioned before, marriage and birth rates would see declining numbers and the motivation for people to work on relationship problems with mateships will be naturally reduced. Because when you're working on a relationship, yes, everyone loves sex, sex and that is a part of a relationship. If sex isn't a motivation for you to continue to work on this relationship together, then why stay in it? You can just go have sex with your robot. The bottom line of this article um, that I mentioned before, it's on Psychology Today, and it's, it's by Glenn Geyer, uh, PhD. And he claims that the biggest issue, the bottom line, is as follows. As biotechnology, artificial intelligence, and software technologies advance, sex robots are nearly certainly on the horizon. On the surface, they might sound like a great idea to some, but once we think about this technology from an evolutionary perspective, we can quickly see that sex robots will represent an unprecedented form of subnormal stimulus, one that may well have extraordinarily physiological short-term benefits along with equally extraordinary long-term costs, ultimately taxing individuals' dyads, family, and broader communities. Basically, Sex robots are the end of the world, so stay the fuck away from them, because they'll ruin your life. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Stick to your uh, pocket pussies and uh, vibrators. We won't have a problem. We'll exist as human beings, okay? Guys, that's all I have for this week. Uh, bisexual and Frank. Aliens and sex robots. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. This is episode 10. Really excited about it. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace. JK, I'm back. <laughs> I want to tell you guys, go follow the DT Podcast 2019 on Instagram. And be on the lookout for new collab merch with Potential Clothing Co. It's going to say DTP on the front with the cool box logo on the back. Really excited for it. It's going to be affordable. It's going to be comfy. comfy. And yeah, let me know if you want one. Thank you guys for listening. Remember to give us a like. We are on Spotify. Would love if you guys go listen there or on SoundCloud, of course. Thanks again, guys, and peace.